0: You found the Virtually Possible Podcast. Join the discussion on future of work, organizational design and personal growth. Guten morgen an alle. Thought I'd do some more international introductions so we can all learn something from this time together. We are sitting down today with a good man, Nick Goody. One of the best things about my encounter with Nick was that it happened in real life. And I don't hate on online meetups at all. Well, a little bit. But the naturally arising context to a newly met person is pretty invaluable, and so I'm very grateful for that. We met at the dopest coffee shop in Neukölln, Berlin, Germany. Two planets run by our mutual friend, Nick Brown. The other great thing about it was the timing. I was about to make the final call that I will move away from the eco-chamber of mobile games. And Nick was just sitting there having coffee, sending out energy to the universe about his plans of becoming a meditation teacher. And so did our friendship begin with regular Qigong and breathwork practice, walks and uber long couch sessions. We are following our habit today and bringing you a conversation full of Nick's wisdom and my dad jokes. Welcome Nick to the podcast. It's
1: good to be here.
0: We are going to be talking a little bit about your journey, coming to Berlin, starting a new career, becoming someone totally different than you are back home. Let's start with where you first hit it off with work Mm -hmm. and then how did you end up being here in Berlin?
1: Yeah, I mean, my high school journey was pretty black and white, law, accounting, finance, business type topics.
0: In Poland, we don't do any stuff like that. It's like law, like no. nobody does any law. No, I
1: think no. this is. A, it's almost like a baseline in Australia. These are the subjects that don't get scaled up or down. They're okay. just like the the center of the road subjects. So yeah, the the background was in finance, law, accounting, business, that sort of thing. I went to university for a brief period, then determined that that wasn't really best suited for me. I. Found it better off just to go direct into the working space. Had a brief period working in private enterprise, GE money, doing retail finance, fraud prevention and that sort of thing. Then moved into federal government taxation. Yeah, did that for eight and a half years or so. But somewhere along the line, I had the feeling that there was more, I wanted to do something else. I wasn't entirely peaceful, happy, content. So I decided to go traveling. Perhaps a year after I'd gone traveling, I had a couple of health problems. And in combination of this previous feeling of "Eh, there's got to be something else with the extra sensitive vision that health brings you I decided that's it I need a need a change and switch it up and Berlin was one of the three places that I thought I could see myself making uh, a new life there.
0: What were the alternatives? Edinburgh and Osaka. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Why the why the other two?
1: Edinburgh is one of the most beautiful places in the world I've ever been to. I thought that the landscape and the scenery and everything was really quite sensational. However, I was looking for a bit of a challenge and a predominantly English speaking or an English close enough language didn't really give me that much inspiration and the thought of learning Japanese was a bit overwhelming. So I thought that German would be a a nice middle ground. And of course, everyone living in Berlin is aware that German is an option.
0: (laughs) Yes, very true. No German required in Germany, Berlin. What have you learned from taking that break from a corporate job, coming to Berlin, now trying to start a new venture?
1: The learning has been constant in every direction there has been room to learn new things i think one of the first things i realized on taking the break was that When you go to the same place all the time, you build similar habits in your mind because your routine is set five out of seven days. And when you change that, you realize that, oh, you can change anything. The routines you pick are just that. The routines you pick This gave this feeling of choice and freedom in terms of, I am free to choose how I spend my time, what I do, what I like to do, and that sort of thing. And that learning took a bit of time to sort of, go from input into action you know you collect this information and you're like oh i can do anything as you do nothing because mm-hmm. you're just collecting all of the information uh turning it into action took a bit more time and a bit more i guess reflection what am i going to do with all of this learning i've i've got new skills i've got new experience i've got new ideas how do i actually put them into action after my gap year i went home with a bit more focus had a, a grinding year so to speak and in worked hard stockpiled resources for my future project and then came back to Berlin where I've been slowly and steadily building up my
0: business. Mm-hmm. And before we go into the business, how does one go about finding out what they like? Because you talk about how you took this time and reflected and, and figured out you know, that the, some stuff can be put into action. I find that people are struggling with even stopping for a second and then thinking, okay, this is what I really like, this is what I really love, these are the things that I'm passionate about. I don't really like that phrase as much mm-hmm. because it's been the buzz where like, just find yeah, your yeah, passion. Yeah. I'm like, well, thanks, Captain Obvious. Helpful. But there must be a way to start.
1: I believe it's different for everyone. However, at the beginning of that, I think you nailed problem with a lot of people's approach to this thing. We've lost the capacity to stop and take time When you do that, you stop and take time, you will see, or maybe you will see quite clearly, I do really like this. I do not really like this. But if you never have the opportunity to take a moment for yourself and actually review these things, get out of this habit of now I'm here, now I'm there, after that I'm going to go there. If you don't have that opportunity, it's very difficult to figure out what it is that you enjoy. You're too busy in the rhythm and the routines of your Mm -hmm. your living.
0: Yeah, what worries me mostly is that even though we had this year of a pandemic, that people are constantly looking for the next best thing and that anxiety and uncertainty was to an extent caused by their fear of not being able to plan for the next big thing, but not because it somehow puts them in danger of, you know, survival. Mm-hmm. But it's just that the way we've been wired to think that we need to constantly get a better Instagram picture or mm. upgrade. I
1: really think that there is a built-in function in the body that will make the decision for you. If you are not responsive to the messages that the body is giving you, I mean, you yourself have taken career pauses or breaks or however you'd like to call it, and leading into those moments, your body is giving you information. I don't feel good. I need a break. You can listen to that and take a pause and take a break and then give yourself this opportunity or you can ignore it and then you will burn out, crash, suffer, some other such thing. But it really, in the absence of the body making the decision for you, the person has to have enough of an understanding of themselves to be able to say, I need a break. I need a day, a week, a month, a year, who knows, but some time away from the constant rhythm to figure out, is this my rhythm or have I just adopted it? Does it work for me?
0: Yeah, being an adult is so hard.
1: (laughs) Can be, (laughs) can be.
0: (laughs) Let's go back to the business. Talking about the venture, you called it Maximizing Mindfulness.
1: Mm-hmm. Maximizing Mindfulness is a catchy name for a general expression. Mindfulness is important and it's becoming more and more present in everybody's reality i am trying to bring people's awareness to their mind this is something that most people know they have in some way shape or form but do their best not to engage with it in any capacity you have a thought and you just ignore it and keep going which is fine sometimes you need to ignore your thoughts but the mind is a powerful tool And if you can learn to work with it, you can make a lot of positive changes in your life. So my intention with maximizing mindfulness is twofold. Firstly, to bring people's awareness to their minds and then to bring health into the body. For me, in my experience, they go hand in hand. If the mind is too difficult, too chaotic, you can work with the body. If the body is gentle and supportive and strong, perhaps you can work directly with the mind. But getting into this space where you are not afraid to look inside or you are comfortable to look inside. This is really important. And my intention behind this business is to bring high quality leaders and teachers who live this lifestyle and share this with people who can benefit from it.
0: But do you also find that some people still are very much tied to this stigma of mindfulness being all the woo woo spiritual stuff? With regard to
1: mindfulness, at least in Australia,
0: Resilience training has been doing
1: big rounds in corporate for at least 10-15 years. Mm. So resilience was my introduction. This uh, side of life, and from resilience training, you're two steps away from mindfulness. And mm-hmm. people will have their resistances. If people hear mindfulness and have this woo woo feeling, this person is not looking for mindfulness, mm-hmm. and so be it. That's completely fine. It's not for mm-hmm. everyone.
0: You touched upon resilience. Yeah. And we call this episode Viva la Resilience. So I wanted to devote quite a bit of time to talking about resilience training, which again happened to be another buzzword next to agility, adaptability, flexibility, whatever you call it. Can we talk a little bit about what each of them mean?
1: Mm -hmm. With the exception of agility, I think that they all have a pretty similar meaning. The only reason I put agility as an exception is because to me, when I think of something as agile, I think of a puma or a jaguar or some sort of large cat. Not sure why. That's just the image I have in my head. I do think that if you are resilient, you will also be flexible. If you are flexible, you will also be adaptable. If you are adaptable, you will also be resilient. Because for me, these ideas all center around capacity to change, ability to move with change, not being so fixated on an idea of an outcome or a or a way something should look, mm. that when this idea is threatened with change, it doesn't crush you, you meet it and you work with it. You tell me that I have to have something ready on Friday, on Monday, and then on Wednesday, you say, actually, I need that on Thursday. I can kick off and say, oh, first you tell me this, then you tell me the other thing, or I can work, You're like, mm. okay, well, today's Wednesday, I'll do it now. Mm. And this is, it's resilience because one half of your mind knew that you had time to do it, but the other half of your mind knows that everything is subject to change. And when things change, you work with it as best you can.
0: This idea of not focusing on the outcome reminds me a lot of snowboarding. In theory, when you snowboard, the goal is to get to the bottom of the slope, hmm. right? So to finish mm-hmm. your ride. But actually what you want is for the ride to never end mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's so cool and it's, it gives you so much pleasure and i think that kind of attitude to generally to life is when you really enjoy riding the wave definitely without focusing on where this is going to get you so we would say resilience is general mindset of not being scared of changing and adapting to a situation that like that could not be foreseen so for me the
1: idea of resilience is being able to come back to structure form you take a new piece of information And you absorb it and you consolidate with it rather than holding this piece of information separate and scrutinizing it and criticizing it you absorb it oh i need this report done on thursday then it's in that's a piece of information i'm working with idea of being able to work towards change embracing it you know it's going to happen going with it meeting it before it finds you Knowing where your center is as a person, also in a work context, what your role is, for example, this is really important. If you know your center as a person, then you can be resilient in your daily life. If you know what your role is in an organization and change finds you and this change is outside the concept or the construct of your role, Then your resilience can work with this because this impacts somebody else, and you can continue working with your role without being too blindsided. It's really the capacity to flow where life tells you now you're going this way because it's not always up to us. And especially if you're an employee, you have work to do, you have goals that are set by other people for you. These things are subject to change. And I mean, working in the public sector for a long time, you get a lot of experience with change management. And sometimes you get a lot of experience of how change management perhaps shouldn't look like. There's not a lot of excellent change management in a lot of high-level public leadership. So you collect a lot of these really valuable experiences.
0: Would you like to give us an example of change management done badly? I can
1: think of an example where there was a new tool being rolled out for delivery of work in this specific area that I was working in. And this information came out on the ground floor through people, word of mouth, weeks and weeks and weeks, before Mm -hmm. anything was communicated and nothing was done about this. And so all of the staff were building up stress and anxiety about this new thing that was going to happen and completely change everything. And they had nobody to talk to. They weren't able to discuss it with their leadership because the leadership weren't openly discussing it yet. It was just something that was going to come in the future. But it had come out and nothing was done about it. So for a month or for for some weeks, Mm. we have, you know, 50 or 60 people in this department terrified of what work is going to look like for them in a month. The quality of work in that month, terrible. Mm -hmm. Because everybody is stressed and uncomfortable. That's just one easy example of... uh, (laughs) perhaps not the best change management
0: but yeah again like everyone says the same thing in the end right open communication open communication so that was a bad example sorry that was an example of a badly implemented change Mm -hmm. Uh, but can we talk about the resilience training how is it structured how do you start working with people that will be very interesting to hear
1: I have been taking more of an approach of cultivating awareness rather than using the language of resilience because for me, one leads to the other. If you are aware of things that are changing, then you can become better aware of how those changes impact you and then you can work with them in a better way.
0: Can you explain the difference between one and the other approach?
1: For resilience, I would talk to you about managing change when you find change or when change finds you and holding your center basic breathing techniques and just like a a grounded foundation for awareness it's more about looking outside hearing outside feeling outside being a little bit more proactive in 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 trying to find
0: those pieces of information that might lead to
1: change is coming it definitely Mm -hmm. is coming you can wait for it to find you or you can be aware that it's coming and you can meet it as it's approaching. And then it doesn't come as a surprise. You went looking for it because you knew it had to come. And this is more of this awareness.
0: How does the process start for someone who says, I never experienced any weird thoughts. I don't know if I, that I have a voice in my head. I don't think things are changing for me. It's pretty much the same.
1: For everyone, it's different. If this sort of person came to see me, for one-on-one, then I would expect that we would probably do a lot of sitting on the floor in silence together to see how long this person believed that there was no voice in the head. Because in my experience, Anywhere between 7 and 15 seconds (laughs) that there is, in fact, a voice in the head. But really, this sort of person has a lot of resistance to the idea that there is a voice in the head, to the idea that there is work that can be done internal. Chances are that person won't come looking for Mm. this. If I am, for example, in the office and this person is in a session, I start with basic body work, body movement, simple movements, almost ergonomic in nature, so it ties into... Proper posture while you're seated at your desk so you can make sure that you're strengthening your body because this is the foundation. Your posture is really important, but trying to make your posture perfect all the time is really challenging. So you try and do a whole bunch of tiny little things here and there whenever you remember them, whenever you are aware of them, and you make these little changes. And every time you make these little changes, you are cultivating this skill of resilience. Oh, I'm slouching. Oh, I'm here. You notice it, you make a change, you have adapted to this change. And it cultivates this. Exactly. You start with these small things, sit up straight, breathe deeply, make sure my shoulders are in the right position, and you get used to looking at your behaviors throughout the day and making adjustments. Why do I put that so far away from me when actually I need it quite close to me? And every time I'm reaching over here, it's a strain. So I bring it closer. You make a little change and it's better for you you know these little little small things make a big overall difference
0: yeah because i'm thinking a lot about you know let's say people who are being put in this they're being put in training mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. say and and they sometimes don't think that they need any of that looking in or building better awareness or they think that they have all the awareness mm-hmm. So i think it's interesting to start with more of a physical practice Mm -hmm. that doesn't really threaten the ego to say oh you know you're in the wrong it's more to say look we'll help you out with some extra exercises and bring the mug closer to your desk or like closer to your keyboard okay so let's say this is a setup in the workplace in the session with people what can people do on their own when they're at home and they have not yet googled your practice and they want to start doing something for themselves and somehow deal with anxiety better Mm -hmm. that they might have or just kind of build up the skill set for being more resilient
1: there are so many resources that people can find online to give them direction and give them help I have really found that one of the most powerful and valuable tools is your breath. And this is a one-way ticket to cultivating awareness. Put your awareness in your breath. Can you feel it? Where can you feel it? How does it feel? Fast, low, heavy, soft, doesn't matter. Just see if you can feel it. Find it somewhere. Maybe it's low, maybe it's high. This is a really powerful. If it's too difficult to find it or to, to have a clear feeling for it, You can practice uh, a technique called square breathing, which is just like breathing in for a count of four, holding for a count of four, breathing out for a count of four, holding for a count of four. And this really just sort of purges the, the breathing system, balances out the limbics and brings you back down. Putting a hand on the belly and putting a hand on the chest is also a really good way to get a feeling physically for where you are breathing. Is my chest rising and falling or is my belly and my abdomen expanding and contracting? there's a really good way to come down a little bit. Most of the time with anxiety, you are stuck in your head and you can think about that physically. The part of you that is responsible for thinking is stuck very high and you need to bring it back down. And the way you bring it back down is by breathing. You breathe this thing that is stuck back down. You bring it back into your belly, walking and counting your footsteps with your breath. Really basic techniques. But they do have a lot of power in them and the the exhalation is a completely automatic process that requires no energy of the body whatsoever it naturally contracts and falls in on itself and this is where this part of surrender gets really difficult You can take a full breath and then allow your body to relax and release itself completely. And it will. But there will become a point where you will feel like you have to do something because there's still this little bit of tension. And this is really interesting for this idea of surrendering to your breath. But this comes later.
0: So first, just start breathing and maybe put aside five minutes to sit with your own breath. Definitely. And it's the best thing about it is that it's free, so you can perfect. do it anywhere, anytime. Other than this being an embedded process in into our body, why else is breath work so powerful? In my
1: experience, it represents the best connection between mind and body, so to speak. It gives you this bridge. You know, people talk a lot about flow and the idea of being in flow I was just in the zone, I was in flow. When you're breathing and your body is moving with your breathing, there's not so much of a thought action process. The action has the thought contained within it. And so it's it's quite seamless. Doing breath work, really impossible to think at the same time as you are forcefully inhaling and forcefully exhaling, or you try to think to yourself about what you're gonna cook dinner as you are blowing all of the air out of your body. Forget it. And it puts this space in your mind, it puts this space in your body, and it gives you blood oxygen, it gives your brain oxygen. And these are all things that the body loves. And that silence that comes with it, this enriching emptiness that allows you to grow, we need this too. And breathwork gives you this in a really good, clear way. You take a large breath in, you take a large breath out. And in the time that that's going on, nothing's going on upstairs. You're clearing completely.
0: What do you think about Wim Hof breathing?
1: I haven't done so much research into his technique specifically. I'm familiar with who he is and what he does, and he's a phenomenal specimen in terms of the things that he is capable of doing.
0: His resilience and endurance levels are through the roof.
1: Correct, something else. Yeah. From my understanding of it, it's almost like controlled hyperventilation. I remember seeing my brother do this when we were kids. He would breathe in and out, 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 and then he would breathe it all out and he would go under the water in the bath and he would stay underwater for three minutes. We were all amazed at this incredible feat. And it's a basic function of the human body. Everybody can do this. The question is whether or not you want to put yourself in water that is 20 degrees below zero and go for a casual swim to cultivate this. Or practice it in your own time.
0: I think he broke the record of swimming underwater and he did 57 meters under ice. Yeah. It's he's a, insane.
1: He's a pinnacle of this sort of thing.
0: The other thing with Googling and searching and finding the right way for you is also very complicated today because of how much content there is. Could you give our audience some kind of a note on where to start? I
1: can, it may not be well received by everyone, but if the people are really serious about getting into this reality and seeing what's going on inside, don't Google it. Mm. Don't Google it. That's a good advice. Put the phone somewhere else. Look at anything else. Don't try to bring technology into this space because it will provide you with more information we have enough information what this practice is about is letting space come in you can google techniques and it will help certain things there are a lot of different meditation techniques i have found that the vipassana practice is pretty powerful and if someone is interested in looking at different types of meditation they can look up that Mm -hmm. there is a need to do something different and if every time you think to do something different the first thing you do is google it Next time, try and do something different by not Googling it first. Stare at the wall. Who knows?
0: Go for a walk. Go for a walk. No. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself struggling a lot whenever I practice yoga because it's very slow for me. Mm-hmm. So then I think, okay, I should be doing more intense stuff. But there is something about the body and the mind that kind of draws me back to the mat. It's like, no, no, we're staying here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. what we need instead of again jumping and you know lifting stuff and yeah. so sometimes you really just need to let it decide for you like let your body tell you really it's more the body right Definitely. Like, the, mind. the body
1: knows exactly what it needs at any given moment the mind more often than not gets in the way until the mind is under control so to speak then they can work together but the body knows it has incredible intelligence
0: mm-hmm. So why do you think raising or increasing or maximizing, really, mindfulness is such an important initiative that you decided to focus solely on that? For
1: me, it was a complete game changer, personally. It opened my eyes to the world in a way that I hadn't seen it before. And after some time, I realized that I was happy to share that. It can change the perspective of an everyday thing. You have a bowl of oranges on the table and you see them as a bowl of oranges but you can take a moment and maybe see them as something else and maybe get a different feeling from them and that can change your day. This is bordering on this woo-woo stuff but at the same time it comes into this resilience like when is an orange not an orange? When I look at it and see that it's a lemon, you can, you can really change your day, someone says something to you. This is a more practical application of it, right? somebody says something to you and it's an upsetting thing to hear and rather than be upset by it you observe the upset and then you observe that the upset's gone and you don't attack this person the intention of what's being said is is really important a lot of the time and you aren't responsible for that if i react and i say something hurtful to you because i have reacted and you see your internal reaction and don't say it you have done a huge huge thing you have demonstrated this resilience rather than my reaction creating another reaction and then we go on and on and on. You've seen that I've reacted, you've seen that you've reacted and you've made a choice to stop it there.
0: How does one start thinking like this when they've never been doing that?
1: This start with small things what can you smell what can you hear what can you see what can you feel this field of awareness all the time like what's in the room around me what can i hear what can i feel become aware of the physical reality and then you can become a bit more aware of the internal reality a bit more aware of the mental reality someone says something and you notice that your heart is racing they've said something that has made your heart race you become aware of that Maybe at the beginning, all you realize is, oh, my heart is really pounding fast, but you don't quite make the connection as mm-hmm. to how or why or for what reason. But in two weeks' time, the same person comes in the room, and that time you realize, "Like, oh, my heart's beating a bit faster because this person's walked in the room. And then you see, okay, this dynamic causes this feeling, and you can work with it because you're aware of
0: it. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are experiencing difficult situations obviously in life because we're interacting with other people so i'm looking for like practical ways of dealing with those situations where you know that again someone says something you just get hit Mm -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. and i think the interesting thing is that if something seriously affects you you can feel it physically immediately Mm -hmm. that whether this is your Yeah, your breathing becomes shallow or... I mean, for a
1: practical, you know, you feel your palms get sweaty and that sort of thing. This is a practical application. You're aware of that. You are familiar with Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. I know maybe we talked about one of his books before, but he talks about the pain body.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the pain body.
1: Pain body is a great... It's
0: my favorite body. The pain
1: (laughs) body is a great tool in language to use. I call you something horrible and you feel it in that moment you know that your pain body has reacted. A practical tip, if a person has a relationship with someone where they can bring in this sort of dynamic hey, you and I work with each other very regularly I would like to develop this aspect of my character I would like to be able to identify internally and externally when I am reacting to something. And so for that reason, I'd like to be able to use language such as pain body with you, open up the line of communication with someone. Then you have someone you can trust, someone that you can trust. Definitely, because this is the whole process is about opening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you see when I am upset and you are going to let me see when you are upset then we can work through our upset to set together.
0: I think you know when I'm upset usually.
1: (laughs) I'm observant, yeah. (laughs) This is a really good practical tip. Perhaps you have a a husband and wife who would both like to learn a bit more about awareness. This is a really good way to do it. I think it's in, yeah, it's in both of his books, uh, A New Earth and The Power of Now. He talks about the the Pain Body. But I yeah. link to
0: those, even though they're probably the most known sure. self-help books sure. in the world. But yeah. anyway.
1: But yeah, The Pain Body is a great concept. And this idea, oh, something's triggering me. Get comfortable going to that place and looking at what and why. It's really powerful.
0: Anything, any other books that you would think are a good way to get some introduction to building, a, building more awareness, building more resilience? But I like that I, I like that idea of building more resilience through awareness. I think it's a supernatural and very powerful practice this way yeah. through the breath and then through building becoming yeah, more observant like you said.
1: Now, use the tools you have. In terms of books, I really find that the the power of the book is in how far away from this world this book can take you. Perhaps a fantasy book is the best thing for someone mm. for this terms of self-help maybe they really need to check out from reality for six to eight hours and burn through a book mm. can be really helpful but in terms of like a, a self-help book so to speak i have nothing that immediately jumps to mind as a as a really strong recommendation i really find that the practice is more powerful mm. than the collection of information it can help to give you with language and You can perhaps better explain what you've experienced externally, but experiencing it is the key. And, you know, breathing, walking, sitting, moving, these are the best ways to become grounded in that reality, I would say.
0: I like the book that you gave me, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment, because it's, I think, like 30 pages. It's so good, though.
1: Yeah, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment was a funny one. That came to me from a friend, which, yeah was uh, obviously a suggestion in there. But um, yeah, also this one, the Shambhala, the, tri- the the path of the sacred warrior or whatever, that was a, a, a random find that I liked. It had, a, it had a couple of good suggestions in it and a few different nice ways of looking at things.
0: I started it, but now I'm more into the neuroscientific books. So I'll yeah. come back to it. Yeah, a little
1: bit too woo-woo.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like a little bit of woo-woo yeah. from every now and again. Yeah. But before we wrap this up, I have one last question Mm -hmm. because like i said i have a lot of friends who are still in their 20s -hmm. listening to this what can young people do to become more self-aware faster
1: i do think it's difficult to rush the process i think it must take its Mm -hmm. appropriate amount of time however if it has taken its appropriate amount of time and there is resistance at a personal level or an internal level or whatever, there are a couple of things that you can do to perhaps help the process along. Mm. I'm a very optimistic, positive person. However, I do often find that suggesting people visit the idea of death in their mind is really powerful.
0: Scary, but very true. But this is
1: it. It's because it's scary. But we talk about uncertainty and change management. We can talk about uncertainty and change management for as long as we want. There is one certainty. Mm-hmm. And if you can make some sort of intellectual peace with that, then maybe you can make some other peace with that. And maybe this lifts your awareness to a new level. You don't think of yourself as a child who is just running through life and everything is a playground and everything is nice. You have this healthy dose of pragmatism. No, I will die one day. I and contemplate
0: it's... death a lot yeah. lately.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, winter's the time to do it. You're sort of going into the end of the year, you see all the leaves coming off the trees and you know, like, okay, we're going to get buried for the next four months mm-hmm. before we can start again. But it's a really healthy process. Like, yeah. It's a fundamental component of life.
0: That's a good tip for anyone really who wants to ground their being, I think, more in reality of life. Like you said, we run and try to achieve crazy things and think that this will never end and, you know, put on our Peter Pan hat and just play and and fool around, which is also important, of course, but if, you know, now that we cannot really go anywhere and do anything, it might be a good time to take stock of where you are at in life and think about it.
1: I think now is almost the best time to really put focus on this child version of the self because our options have been externally limited. Go back to playing with a stick and an ant as an example. Just these tiny little things. Like If this can entertain a child, and the only difference between a child and an adult is that they have experienced more time and their external shell has changed, it should be able to entertain you as well. If it can't,
0: investigate why. I like that description of an adult, of a human that has experienced more time. It's a good one. Last but not least, before Mm -hmm. I let you go, Mm -hmm. we're going to do the VP roulette. Mm -hmm. So you choose three out of ten questions. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. 187.
0: 187. It's funny that you went 18 and back. Okay. There will be a few
1: of your listeners who enjoy hip-hop that I'm sure will catch a reference. Oh, okay. I'm like, (laughs) not my
0: reference then. Okay. Question number one. Cats or dogs?
1: Are these meant to be simple questions? (laughs) Perhaps it just reflects me. Uh, Cats.
0: Cats? Really? You're a cat person?
1: No, you ask me cats or dogs, and I say cats.
0: Okay, so tell me why.
1: They're far superior to dogs. They're an individual predator rather than a pack animal. Basically, my idea is if you take a a pound-for-pound competition, so to speak, you take a 100 kilogram cat and a 100 kilogram human, the cat will win. Hundred kilogram cat, hundred kilogram dog. Mm -hmm. The cat will win. But more practical day-to-day reasons. I like reading books. Sit down. Cat comes and sits down with me. Chill. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you expand your definition of a cat from you know Mm -hmm. from not not only being it not only being a pet cat, then Mm -hmm. then that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Once you start thinking about a lynx or a jaguar, then you're really in the world of cats. Mm -hmm. No.
0: Okay, question number eight is definitely going to be your least favorite question because it's favorite game or app on your phone.
1: No, that's actually a really easy one for me. Oh, is it?
0: Lee chess. Lee chess. So you play chess? I play chess. On your phone? On my phone.
1: That's, with the exception of my apps for communication purposes, that's pretty much the only app that I use on my phone.
0: Well, I have to ask you, have you seen Quinn's Gambit? on Netflix?
1: No. However, I watched a YouTube review of the final game of chess that they play. Oh, interesting. And By a chess where, player? And that was where I learned that The Queen's Gambit existed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the final game of the series up until, you know, move 25 or 30, followed exactly mm-hmm. a, a game from history. And then they changed it to give it a nice Hollywood feel. And, but no, I have not watched it. But I hear it's good.
0: It's really good. And okay, and question number seven is best advice you've ever gotten? Soften. Hmm, that's a good one.
1: No. Yeah, this was put to me by my Qigong master in Australia. He would tell me to do something and he would say, soften, soften, soften. And he looked at me once and he said, You are softening, aren't you? And perhaps I thought I was softening, and then you actually soften. Mm. And it's a, again, this is a real game changer. And yeah, for me, soften was a a good piece of advice. And you can apply it at any time to parts of the body, parts of the mind, any level. Yeah,
0: you soften your breath, you soften your thoughts. I think it's harder than for stress to come in. You
1: can't, you hold tension. Mm -hmm. When you soften, you release it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, well, that was great, Nick. Thank you for all the answers. But also... Before before we really finish off, mm-hmm. um, would you tell the audience about Maximizing Mindfulness, the website, and what you want to do with people and what can they come to you for, what kind of practice you're usually doing?
1: Sure. Maximizing Mindfulness is based at an individual level, also at a group level, like for group sessions. This year has presented challenges around delivering corporate training packages but when we find COVID normal Mm. standards in the future there is corporate training around awareness, mindfulness, Mm. basic mobility and flexibility and this is structured weekly courses where we come in and do different Mindfulness practices, physical practices, breath practices, little games. There are many different ways to sharpen the awareness. Fun is a really important tool to use when you're doing it. And mm-hmm. so they, as you said, they are light but powerful. From an individual perspective, we have done a lot of uh, qigong together. We've done a bit of yoga together. We've done some meditation, a lot of breath work. I uh, offer these services as well.
0: Yeah, qigong is so fun to do. So hard as well. So much harder than I thought. Yeah. Very good training for the mind.
1: It's so powerful. For me, another one of these game changers. When I started to play with Qigong, I realized that this is going to take years from me. Um, So yeah, that's obviously something else that I offer as well.
0: And you also teach yoga, right? I also Uh, teach yoga. Right now, everything is closed, but right. when they reopen, you teach in Kreuzberg?
1: Yeah, so I've been teaching in Neukölln in a small verein, uh, Café Finchan, and it's it's really nice there. It's Part of the difficulty that I've had with yoga is the industry side of it has become quite strong, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time that means that the inherent mm. nature of yoga mm. is sort of it's corrupted. Sort of lost. Yeah, correct. Mm. And I don't find that here in this this particular place. So I was really happy to get the opportunity to work there. Uh, that's in Kunnikit, just behind Hermannstrasse in Neukölln.
0: Mm-hmm. We will link to the yeah we coffee can link shop. it. Yeah.
1: However, I'm pretty certain that everything is on tenterhooks at the moment. No one knows what's going on. But look, yeah,
0: January maybe. But one-on-one
1: stuff is still going ahead. If people are interested yeah. in organizing one-on-one things, that's no problem.
0: Yeah, you guys can reach out to Nick. I'll, um, we have contact in the show notes, so you can email Nick. Won't find him on Instagram, even though he has an account, but doesn't use it. Uh, but otherwise, quite easy to find either through the website or email. So I highly, highly recommend, especially individual practices, so... So rewarding and so powerful, and you get the benefit of you focusing fully on uh, my busy mind and and helping to unwind it. So that's always awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Cheers! It's been fun.
0: This is it, my friends. We are gonna be back next week with another episode. And until then, have a great week ahead. And yeah, breathe a little. Bye.